On today's show, I am joined by my friend Andrew Kelly of Peachtree Hoops to talk about the deadline because the trade deadline is coming on Thursday afternoon. No more time to waste. The Hawks are involved in all kinds of rumblings, roster construction, question marks, and much more. We're getting into all of it, all the fallout, and all the potential fake trades and all that fun stuff coming up. You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1406 of the Lots on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Monday evening into Tuesday. In fact, I'm going to tell you what time we're recording this podcast because it's that time of year with the deadline. It's about 8 p.m. Eastern right now. And today's show is brought to you by Prize Picks. Users can have a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code locked on at Prize Picks. That is prizepicks.com, promo code locked on. And with that, I am joined on today's podcast by my friend, uh, trade, oh, let's just say, uh, what, fade trade connoisseur. What, however you want to say this, Andrew Kelly's here. Hello, sir. How are you? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me on. Fun time of year. Uh, I try not to bug you only this time of year, but it's probably the, it's the most appetizing time. You uh, always have your head in, in, in this stuff. And uh, look, we don't have a firm agenda on today's podcast. The Hawks do play on Tuesday. I wrote a little bit, a little bit of a preview on my Patreon at patreon.com slash btroll and pretty interesting game against the pelicans we're not talking about that much today unless you have hot takes about the pelicans game andrew because that'll be the only game between now and the deadline and as a refresher for anyone listening to the podcast the deadline is at 3 p.m on thursday and the hawks play a game after that which is always interesting but um before we get into like what's maybe going to happen and all the factors in play i want to ask you a question to kind of set the tone a little bit here and it's about like the way the Hawks have been playing, generally speaking. You know, they're 500 team right now, exactly. Um, I had kind of a weirdly viral tweet the other day about how 500 they are this season. Um, and I wonder, like, does that impact what you'd want to do? Like, wh- where's your mindset? If, let's, let's say, you, for an instance, you are in charge of the Hawks within reason, within the, constraint, the, the constraints of what the Hawks are able to do. Um, are you looking to buy? Like, should they be buying? Should they be holding pat? Like, it's a weird situation because – we all agree, I think, that they should be better than this, but they're still 500, and it's February, and like that kind of colors this entire thing. Yeah, that's a good way to, to lead off. One of the things that I think is pretty interesting when you think about their record to this point is if you just dive into the numbers and you look at their starting lineup, just look at the starting lineup, nothing else other than that. Uh, their five-man group, they have a plus 13.5 differential per cleaning the glass at over 900 possessions, which is one of the best in the league. I thought that really like impressed me. You know, I mean, obviously we thought going into the year that they had a very strong starting lineup and the depth would be their question, but they really do stack up among the league's best five-man lineups. And five-man data is always kind of perilous because it relies on smaller samples. Uh, it's worth pointing out that this is one of the higher samples you'll see for a five-man unit. But even when you break it down into two-man combinations for each of those players, all of them are positive in net rating. So I think it says a lot that the the starting group generally does fit pretty well and they're competitive when they have everybody healthy. But the key issue, as we've said, you know, since the preseason is just that the depth isn't really there. Um, so for me, I think that it's pretty compelling as far as like how the starting lineup has played and how they've looked recently um, since the uh, beginning of the year. I think they're closer to 10 to 15 range in net ratings. So they have perked up since then. The offense has been much better. 
Um, so for me, I could be a buyer, but I, you're not cashing in a bunch of assets to do so. If, if you can add another quality player to the rotation, that's something I could be interested in at the right price. So that's kind of how I'm approaching it at this point. Yeah, that's kind of where I am as well. Like, I, I know Hawks, you know, it's definitely fake trade season and people want movement. And that's that's part of the fun of this. And, uh, you know, as much as I poke fun at fake trades, it, it is it could be fun. It could be entertaining. I get all that. Um, it's also important to be like with it, within the constraints because, you know, part of my job is to be like, OK, what's kind of realistic here? And you can make up fake trades and that's that's part of the fun again. But like, for instance, this year, one of the prominent hurdles is the luxury tax, right? Like we, we've kind of all heard this. I've been saying it since the summer. People have kind of come around to that reality recently. Barring a change, the Hawks don't want to, do not want to go into luxury tax this year. And that's a constraint on what they can actually do. Um, there are guys who are probably, you know, untouchable or at least close to it on this roster. Like there are things you have to operate within. But like you said, when there are good players are playing and playing together, they've been really good. Even uh, you mentioned the starters and that's been their best lineup. Um, even if you go to the starters plus a Kongwu in place of Capella, which is by far their second most used lineup because Clint missed all that time, they're also really good. They're like plus seven with that with that group. So like we kind of know the deal here. If you've been paying attention to the Hawks most of the season, is that when their key guys are there and they're they're really good. But as I kept saying, and I think you agree, it's like you can't build a team that just assumes everyone's going to be healthy all the time. Like guys are going to get hurt. You're going to have guys that miss time and. Uh, the depth is a concern, and I think a lot of what we'll talk about today is like ways to maybe paper over the depth issues. You can't fix them in one, um, but like probably the most prominent, always maybe not most prominent, most frequently discussed recently is like a Justin Holiday upgrade, and that's like not a sexy move at all. But also that would give them like one more body that they kind of need because look, we kind of like their everybody kind of likes their top eight, and and, uh, and you throw in Jalen Johnson as the ninth. That's a pretty solid nine, even if you have issues with certain guys, if you're, if you're not a fan of certain players, but uh, you kind of need more than those guys available, particularly at certain spots. And um, I wonder, like, you know, does, does it give you any hesitancy to buy knowing that it's, you know, not going to be probably, I, I won't say definitely, but probably not going to be a finals team this year. Like, even if they buy, maybe they, maybe they catch lightning in a bottle again. But my, my general thought is, and I wonder if you agree, like, I'm okay buying, but it shouldn't be buying just to buy like for the very, very, very short term. Like there's a way where you can get a rental that helps you for a small price. But let's just say I would not be trading first round pick or maybe even multiple picks for a rental. Like I'd be looking at least you got to look at least to next year because look, most of this, most of the season is over and you're 500 and that has to matter. Even if you don't believe it and I don't believe it either. I think this team is better than that, but the results are the results. And like, you probably shouldn't be like pushing a lot of chips in for a one year sample size. Yeah, I agree. I don't think that you're buying high or anything or making maybe radical alterations to the roster at this point. But I do think there is some value in trying to improve the team. For one, the East just isn't that scary this year. You know, I mean, you, you never know if you could catch fire at the right time and perhaps even win a playoff series like that's in the range of outcomes. Um, so for me, thinking more big picture as well, they're getting closer to the final version of the team that they're going to have. You know, after they made the DeJounte Murray trade and gave up the assets for that, um, they have him and trade that they're sort of married to, and they're probably going to have to pay a, a max deal for DeJounte in another year. Um, you have Hunter's deal coming up. Uh, Congo will be extension eligible in the summer. So the cap is, they don't have any cap space. And the when you look at the salary uh, construction that they have, like they don't have a lot of flexibility. So in some ways, I think it could be valuable to try to buy just to try to build 
synergy and trust among the key players on the roster guys that are going to be in the team for multiple years. Even if you think that, you know, this could be a gap year, which is sort of how I've felt that it, about it from the beginning. I think there's still value in trying to build habits and try to work towards next year, even if this year uh, winning a playoff series or something like that isn't necessarily the goal. Um, so if you can make an addition to the roster and get like a quality, you know, eighth, ninth kind of player that just can help you on nights where um, you have guys out or gives you another defensive option, something like that. I, I think it could be worth doing. You just don't want to pay a huge price for it. Yeah, I totally agree. And uh, I think it's important to keep in mind too, like what you said about building habits and building chemistry. And for as much as I have noted that the Hawks did kind of, I, I never say all in, they, they pushed a lot of chips in for Murray, but that was always going to take time. And I haven't loved how they've been utilized all the time. You know, I know there's this elephant in the room that Hawks fans are kind of done with Nate. And I, and I totally get that. And I've said, I don't think he's going to be back next year. So things are going to change most likely. But I think just having those guys on the court together for more and more time, having Hunter develop, having, you know, all of your big guys still around and healthy right now, knock on wood, having AJ Griffin uh, getting more and more time and playing very well. Like on one hand, they are kind of capped out and I've made sure to drive that point home. Like, you know, let's just say for instance, if you wanted to uh, do a jet, do a John Collins trade to save money, that's not going to save you money in a salary cap world. It's going to save you money in a leisure tax world, which matters to this ownership group. But there's no path realistically to cap space, uh, which is very different than luxury tax space. So um, this is kind of your team. And yeah, you have a first round pick to build with it. And I know the Hawks have been pretty hot with first rounders recently with AJ and Jalen, et cetera. But you can't just rely on hitting every single pick moving forward either. So this is kind of going to be the group unless you have a, a big trade. And look, maybe there's a way where they could do a blockbuster trade. I don't, I don't know if you have a, a fake trade in your holster that's, a, that's more of a huge one. But I am going to assume based on what I've heard that the Hawks are not likely to do a massive trade. Like I know KD is popular right now. And look, if KD was actually available to the Hawks, they should be calling and offering lots of stuff for him. This is awesome. But um, unless you've heard something that I have, Andrew, I'm going to kind of assume they're not going to do like the earth-shattering deal now. Maybe over the summer they change it up a little bit more, but I'm more in the practical world of like the biggest trade if they were to make one is probably the uh, the long-awaited John Collins trade because other than that, I don't want really to see like a, a big-time move happening. Or Bogdanovich. I think he's another yeah. guy that you could reasonably see going out in the right package. But one thing that also kind of complicates things is it doesn't seem that there's a lot of sellers right now. Like there's just so many 500 teams and with the play in, I think a lot of teams could be persuaded that they can make a run at some point and they're, they're less likely to cash in their pieces. Like even a team like Toronto is still kind of deciding what they want to do with their guys, even as they're, you know, out, outside the play in picture at the moment. So it's hard to see who the sellers are going to be, which can make a radical type move, like less likely to begin with. Um, Collins obviously stands out as the guy that you could see the number one, you know, big move that they can make is maybe dealing him. Um, Bogdanovich, if you get the right kind of offer with the way he's looked this year, he has that, what, $18 million player option coming up in the off season. That's yeah. something that this is a point that you've made that they're basically at the luxury line as it is with just the core group of players. So that's one of those contracts that you kind of have circled as one that could get moved in order to <laughs> avoid that next season, or at least get more optionality there. Um, I think the most, the single most likely guy to, to go, in my opinion, is just going to be Justin Holiday. I mean, when, when you think about it, um, he hasn't played. Uh, he, he is outside the rotation firmly unless there's some sort of injury um, or a blowout or something like that. Um, he's on an expiring contract. If Travis Link were the GM, I would be like 100% confident that he would get moved <laughs> out just as a player-friendly sort of move so he could go somewhere he could get minutes. But when you look at the type of money he's on, it's it's, it's more movable than like a, a minimum type. It, it gives you more options than like a minimum type salary does. So he's really the guy that I think is the most likely to go out. Would you agree with that? 
Yeah, I would. And just in terms of like, it's always easier. You know, trades are never easy, but it's always easier to move uh, a guy like that on the margins than it is to do a John Collins trade because you know there are lots of John Collins trade options. There's we'll talk about some of them in a second. Um, Bogey, same same thing. But um, it's just an easier thing to do to not alter your team because like Justin. While he's a valuable guy in the locker room, he's their oldest player. Nate likes him. Like that stuff does matter. Um, he's not playing, like you said. He's and he hasn't been playing really at all for about a month. And uh, you know, it's just easier to pull trigger on that, something like that uh, to make things uh, without having to like shake the entire boat. I do want to get into some scenarios on all of these guys, but before we do that, uh, we'll take a quick break here from our sponsors on today's podcast. Today's show is brought to you by Built Bar. If you're looking for a delicious treat this time of year, you don't want all the fat and calories, though. You have to check out a Built Bar right now. I know one of my goals this year is to eat a little bit healthier. It's always something that you want to do at this time of year, especially in the uh, January, February corridor. And what you don't want to do is give up the taste to actually eat healthy and eat better. If that sounds like you, Built Bar is a fantastic option with Built Healthy is tasty. And they're so delicious that you actually won't believe that they're actually good for you as well. They have 100% real chocolate. Yes, real chocolate on the outside of the bar, and they come in a ton, a ton of awesome flavors. My personal favorite is cookies and cream, of course, and you have tons of other options like coconut almond, peanut butter brownie, and more. And it's just like a candy bar, honestly. They have 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and a whopping 17 grams of protein. And you don't have to actually wait to get your Built Bars as well. For a long time, I've been telling you to order your Built Bars at Built.com. That is still an awesome option. I definitely encourage you to check out Built.com. But you can also get them right get them right now at your local Sam's Club or Walmart. That's right. Walk into Walmart right now and grab a box of Built Bars. Or if you're closer to a Sam's Club, get a 13-bar box in a hurry at Sam's Club. Make sure to check out Built Bar right now and dive in today. All right, Andrew, let's go back to Justin Holiday because it kind of dovetails with uh, the only guy – I wonder if you noticed this too – the only – player that the Hawks have been linked to from another team that is not directly associated with a Hawks trade. Like that makes sense. Like there's been a lots of reporting out there about John Collins packages or even McDonavich packages in the media. The only player that I've seen reported in the last like several months that have the Hawks, that have the Hawks being interested in that player without like a return attached is Matisse Tybel. I talked about him a little bit earlier in the week when that, when that, when that reporting came out. And we won't spend too much time on this, but that's one of the ex- uh, examples of a Justin Holiday swap, most likely, because that'd be the way to match salary. Um, we'll spend some time on him now, I guess. Uh, what did you make of the title interest? And then uh, going beyond that, uh, I- I'm sure you have a working list of players that you've circled in Justin Holiday swaps. And just for the record, every single one of these guys I would imagine that we talk about is going to be Holiday plus more, like either second round picks or first round picks. Right. Justin doesn't have a lot of value on the market other than just being an expiring contract. But what do you make of Tybal and uh, who else is there out there for uh, Justin Holiday? I'm not a big Tybal fan. Um, when you think about the current iteration that we've seen of Justin Holiday, since he's been traded, uh, well, since he arrived in Sacramento, he just has not been very good. I used to be a big fan of his game in Indy. He's like a good catch and shoot player, a good defender with pretty good size. But since then, it's just sort of deteriorated with them. I mean, and you sort of wonder at times with more minutes if he might get to, to more of a form, but it's, it's, it's hard to really be too optimistic about him. Um, as far as Thibel, I mean, he, I think he can make sense in some ways just because you get those situations late in game when you have timeouts and you're in defensive lineups. He's someone that you could plug in there. I think he's probably a better player than this version of Justin Holiday. I don't think that that's a reach at all. I think he probably is. And uh, the thing that would just kind of give me pause is that the offensive game for him is just so poor. It, it makes it really hard to deploy him. You'd have to use him in lineups where you have it's like Bogey or AJ Griffin to try to offset that as much as possible. Um, teams can just ignore him from three. He's a very timid scorer as well. So that it really does make 
fitting him in difficult. It could be useful on those nights when you have one or two guys out just because he's better than a marginal player. Like one thing you could say about him is he's better than a marginal player. You know, he's not just a fringe yeah. NBA guy. He is an actual rotation player. albeit a, albeit a lower end one. He's someone that you can give minutes to. Um, one thing also that would kind of make me nervous is just that uh, sometimes when you see these trades happen, guys can get sort of a honeymoon period with a new team and they can put together a good 15, 20 game stretch. And with him being a pended restricted free agent with an inexperienced front office, that's something where if he were to put together a decent run, I mean, that would be nice, but it might put them in a position where they might hand out a contract that, you know, they might regret later in the future. So that's another element that would give me pause with them. But I think he is like a viable ninth, tenth man. He's not someone that I'm particularly a fan of due to the offense. But there is, you know, some selective defensive situations where he could pay off. And he's, you know, at least an above replacement level player, too. So there is some value there. Yeah, I'm not a table guy either, to be honest. I think the defense is, is valuable. I think he's an overrated defender too. That doesn't mean he's, doesn't mean he's bad, but like there's this notion that he's like this this incredibly game changing defender that I've never really seen. Like he's a good defender. No, don't get me wrong, but he's I've kind of argued he might be the worst offensive wing in the league that actually plays. Like he's that bad. He's up there. It's, it's, yeah, it's bad. Um, so th- he's a specialist, and like you said, he he is better than what they have. Like if they were to let's just say, for example, swap Justin for Matisse Tybel, he'd be their tenth best player. Maybe I mean, unless you just love Eric yeah. Holiday, he's he'd be and that and that's fine. He would give you some more depth, but I wouldn't pay a lot to do that. Um, the other guy on the on, on Philly's roster is Forkan Korkmaz, who actually I guess requested slash demanded a trade earlier today <laughs> that was reported by Keith Pompey. Um, I kind of like Korkmaz actually. Um, I'd rather have him than Tybal in a lot of ways, but importantly for the Hawks, he's owed five point four million dollars for next year, and I don't know. I don't think the Hawks are going to love that. Maybe they will. Maybe they, maybe they love him. But uh, that'd be my only thing there is like he fits into the holiday slot very well. But if they're worried about the luxury tax for next year, he would uh, add more money to the books. I've always kind of liked him. I mean, he's he's clearly yeah. fallen out of favor in Philly, but there could be scenarios where if you end up dealing bogey, you need to get a shooter back. Someone like Cork yeah. Moss could be you know useful in another deal. But like you said, with the money he's owed next season, I, I don't think I'd be you know, in a rush to take that on, just given where they are with the salary cap. Yeah. And that's just another name that was out there. Somebody asked me about him today because it was got reported that he had asked for a trade. And like, I think if you could do holiday in a second for Corkmaz, it would be fine with me. I just don't know if they're going to want to add that money. Um, I, I'll, I'll leave it to you. Like who else, the way that I talked about it before with Tyler and by myself as well is like what you're probably looking for with Justin trades is like a second draft guy. Like Matisse Dibble still has rookie contract. And that's why he's making less money than Justin Holiday is. Like the hilarious one is Cam Reddish, who's very available. And the Hawks are not going to do that, I don't think, because that would just be too weird. But like that kind of player, like this distressed asset, Rui Hachimura was one where he obviously got traded already. But someone in that range, it's like a third or fourth year guy making, you know, between four and six million dollars who like is better than Justin, but not like long for his own team. There are other ways to do this as well, but like I've tried to find guys that, that fit that description. And again, this is we're not reporting anything here. It's just like this is the idea of Justin's the only, and I mean it's the only salary on the roster that is between the guys who you are not going to move in this this hypothetical and the guys who are on the minimum. Like you could trade Vic Krejci, but he's making the minimum. Like you can't match salary with that. Same thing with with Frank Kaminsky, um, and between them is AJ, who they're not going to trade, and Jalen Johnson, who they don't want to trade. So basically, that's why we're centering uh, on on Justin. But like, do you have anybody else that you've even thought of as like a potential, you know, Justin plus a pick swap kind of guy? 
You know, it's interesting because I, I knew this was going to come up and I was going around <laughs> and looking at salaries and a lot of the guys that I tend to like are actually like cheaper than him. It's, it's weird because someone like, like Thibel, he's on the last year of his rookie deal. That's, that's like you said, the second draft guys, that's generally more who fits with him salary wise, but there's just not a lot of intrigue, you know, Reddish, like you said, is probably not going to happen. Really has yeah. been moved. So it's hard to really find any other guys other than Thibel. He really fits that sort of profile, but among guys that I would be interested in, I mean, they make less than uh, holidays, so you'd have to kind of, you know, figure figure out how you want to piece it together. But um, I don't think that this would be possible just because of the the type of team that they have. But the number one guy that I would be interested in would be like a Najee Marshall from the Pelicans. Mm-hmm. Um, he has been, you know, floated out in trade rumors. Um, but the thing is, like the Pelicans, when they're fully healthy, like they could win the West this year. They want to win the West this year, you know. So they're they're a team where if they're selling him, then they're probably expecting a rotation caliber player back. They're probably not going to sell him for you know Justin Holiday and a couple second round picks, you know, that are going to be in the fifties. Like that's that's not something that probably is going to interest them. But if there's yeah. one guy that would probably be the top guy, I think that that could help them. Um, another guy that I think is interesting, and this is also about half the salary is a uh, Holiday is a uh, KJ Martin. For the Rockets, he's another guy that's kind of been lightly connected in trade rumors, really good at the rim. So I, I think that's something they could use at times. Somebody that can get to the rim and score there would be nice. Um, he's got another cheap year after this year as well. Um, so that would be all, be useful for putting the, together the team for next season. So um, those two guys stand out to me. Jalen McDaniels from Charlotte's another kind of interesting name that's been mentioned in uh, trade, dis- trade discussions. So some of those kind of guys, if you could throw in some light kind of draft capital, they're young too uh, and cheap. So you could kind of see how they could fit in the roster for more than a year. But those are a few that, that stand out to me, uh, especially Marshall. I just don't think that the Pelicans are going to want to deal him for, you know, a, a sub replacement level rotation guy like Holiday. Yeah, it's hard. Like you said before, part of the issue is the lack of sellers. Like there's only five or six teams that are like truly buried for this year that are selling. And you mentioned the the Rockets and the Hornets are two of those teams, which make them very interesting. Um, One advantage the Hawks do have is that they only have 14 guys on the roster. So if they wanted to do a two for one on a guy who makes less, let's, for example, KJ Martin, if the Hawks wanted wanted to get KJ Martin in one of these deals, they could also take, you know, Pick a pick a player, Dacian Nix or Uzma right. Garuba or Josh Christopher to make the money work. Just kind of a fringe guy to make it work, right? Or Boban, like Boban is a throw in. Like Boban makes three and a half million dollars, for instance. Like they could do a two for one and just to make the money work. And that, the Hawks are able to do that without without cutting anyone. Like obviously they could, they, they also could just cut Veet if they wanted to or cut Frank, but um, it's just an interest. They have a little bit of flexibility there that could make it a little bit easier. But the overarching point is it is hard. And again, not to drive the point home too much. There's a whole lot of guys who make, you know, between, you know, eight and $10 million that the Hawks would probably like to get their hands on, but that's where you get into luxury tax stuff because you know, you have to fill out a roster. So yeah, you, you could, you could get to that money by going Justin plus Kaminsky or Justin plus V, but then you have to fill that roster spot and then you have to stay below the luxury tax. And I say have to, because that's an ownership thing, but they're not going to go over. I don't think so that complicates matters as well. We spent a lot of time, Justin holiday, but I, I figured it was worth talking about because it's one of those things where like nationally, no one's talking about that. But I think locally Hawks fans have figured out probably because we're all, t- we're all telling them that, that Justin is like the easiest way to make an upgrade. It won't be an earth shattering one. I don't think they're going to turn Justin into this awesome piece, but uh, someone who can help their bench would be helpful. Right. And there's also ways you can maybe combine him with another player to get to like a Crowder type salary or someone yeah. like that. But you He's know, in it's that range of guys though. from like eight, eight, eight to 10 million. Like if they wanted to call and offer Justin and, uh, and V for Crowder, obviously it would be pick compensation too, but that deal works for instance. I think you would miss uh Veet's bench celebrations though. I would, I'd, I would miss being on the bench. He's fantastic. 
<laughs> and to his credit, we won't we won't spend more than thirty seconds talking about it. But it, he really does like stand out. If, if you're watching on TV, oh, I mean, he's always the first guy off the bench. So that's what you like to see from a guy that's like on the fringe of the roster. I, I think he knows the deal with uh, with all of that stuff. Um, all right, we're going to pivot to the guys who are a little bit more prominent in nature, i.e., Collins, Bogdanovich, and those kind of things. But before we get to that, our last break on today's podcast. Today's show is brought to you by Prize Picks. If you're looking for a DFS option this year, make sure you check out the award-winning app at Prize Picks. Prize Picks Daily Fantasy made easy. I love it, and I know that you will too. It is very easy to use. I've been playing at Prize Picks for a while now across sports, and it's really a lot of fun. It's kind of a breeze to operate as well. All you have to do is pick two to six players and actually choose whether they have more or less than a certain number of points or rebounds or assists or any other support you're looking for, total yards in the NFL, receiving yards, et cetera, with Super Bowl upcoming in the near future. They offer numbers on all kinds of sports, NBA, NFL, of course, college basketball, NHL, MLB, PGA, soccer, esports, and more. And an entire entry can be done in just a minute or less. It's that easy. It's that quick. Plus, it's just you. I guess the projected numbers. They have safe and fast withdrawals at Price Picks, and they're operating in more than 30 states, including Georgia, and they're also in Canada. Download the app right now at Price Picks or go to PricePix.com, however you want to do that, whatever is easier for you. And if you want to sign up to play Daily Fantasy Sports immediately, first-time users can have a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code Locked On. Don't forget that promo code. It is Locked On at sign up for instant deposit match up to $100. Check it all out now at Price Picks. All right, Andrew. Let's get to the main event here and talk about the uh, more prominent guys who would actually be, um, you know, rotation changers. Because, you know, talking about Justin, one of the appeals there is not have to shake things up. If they were to trade John finally after all this time, or if they were to even trade Bogey, that would be a more prominent in-season change. Um, this is a group of front office people that, like, I know a little bit, of course, when it comes to Landry. And, you know, Kyle played here, and I talked to him a lot when it was there. And the Nick Russell dynamic is out there, and Tony is uh, reactionary. We all talked about that. But uh, I will be the first to admit that I don't have the same level of um, – confidence in my own evaluation like of what these guys are going to do because with Travis like I never even if I didn't know I had an idea of what his record was and like what he's what, what his tendencies were as an executive and that does not exist with Landry and Kyle and Nick Ressler I just it's not it's not the same thing so I'm a little bit flying blind on this one but clearly John Collins has been in and been in uh, these rumors for I don't know two and a half years three years now it's been a long long time um Bogey's been in a lot of rumors too I think mean, I think nationally John gets more attention but a, a lot of the secondary um, reporting has been like, you know, but Donovan is very available and he has some interest around the league too. So uh, I know just to be uh pull the curtain back a little bit, Andrew is a little bit lower on John Collins than I am. I think he can probably admit that on the record here. If, if he doesn't want to do that, he's that's fine. But uh, just as, as a player and as an asset, but we all agree, John is very available still. And I think it wouldn't surprise me if he got moved, but I'll just open this up by saying this. I don't, I'm not hearing the same uh, urgency to move John Collins now that I have at certain times in the past that could change between now and Thursday. But, uh, you know, if you ask me if he's going to get moved or not, I kind of lean no now, which is uh, not where I thought I'd be honestly, a few weeks ago. You know, I, I could easily change my mind on this, but I don't think Same. he's going to be traded. <laughs> if you asked me this in, uh, you know, at the start of the, of the year, I probably would have leaned towards, yes, I, I think he will, but just based on recent play and the way that this team has tended to operate is that, they have a short-term bias. You know, if things are going well, then the vibes are good, then they're less likely to make a, a big roster-altering move. You know, if you look at the reporting that's been out there, um, there was reported in the past that there was a deal on the table with the Western Conference team for Collins that was later nixed by ownership. Yep. And so we know that ownership has a very heavy hand in making the final decision of the roster. And when the teams 
And when, when the team is playing well, they're just less inclined to make that that kind of decision. So, this you know the way they've been playing lately, I, I just I don't think that they're going to trade him. Another aspect is that his value is probably the lowest it's been um, since his rookie year. I would say. Um, I don't think his contract is like a bad, like a capital B bad contract. But when you combine, you know, a 25 million average annual value uh, value contract with his worst shooting year that he's had, I think he's like what 24% from three. It it makes it harder for teams to want to buy on that, especially after years of you know dangling him has eroded their their leverage. So if you sell now, uh, you're you're basically selling at his lowest point. So we began the pod with that point that we made about how good the starting lineup has been. So even in spite of Collins's, you know, individual performance, not being as strong, at least on the offensive end this year, the starting lineup as a whole has been very good. So you have to remember that when you, when it comes to looking at possible deals for Collins. So I don't think that he's going to get moved, but if you can find some sort of deal where, you know, you're breaking that contract into two perhaps lesser players, but you get more flexibility. It's easier to move those kind of deals. It's easier to kind of tailor your team around that. That's something that you could look at. But if you look at that deal that was reported once in the past with Utah, where you're, you know, you're trading for Malik Beasley and Jared Vanderbilt and giving up a first, or at least that's what Ainge wanted, then you, I don't think you could do that. Like that's not, no. <laughs> that's not a good deal for me. Um, so I, I just don't think the value is going to be there. If, you know, if you end up with a good, um, at least a, a good vet replacement for him and some more you know, flexibility, then that's something you could look at. But it's, it's harder for me to see a Collins deal that makes sense right now. Yeah, I wouldn't be eager to do it. I mean, there are deals that I that have come across, whether as proposals or like fake trades that I I don't just reject out of hand. But I, I've still I've said this many times. I've still yet to see a deal that I like like for Collins. I think is realistic. It's just one of those things where. Um, they'd have to willingly take a step back and th they're not seemingly willing to do that. And there are arguments for and against it. Like I, I know I'm high on Collins, but like you said, you'd be selling low on him. I think at this point in time, um, I think he's not going to be a, this kind of shooter forever. Like I, I, there's just no evidence of that. I mean, maybe, maybe he's, maybe his finger's just broken beyond repair, but I don't believe he's this bad of a shooter. Uh, he's actually, you know, is what it is. Um, yeah. And the thing is there too, is he's, he's shooting well from the line and he's shooting well from yeah. mid range, like just on the so finger weird. point. So does it only <laughs> affect him on threes? You know, like it's, it's a weird thing. And, and back to his contract, I think that's just a very important variable. It's just, it, yeah. if he is now a sub 30% shooter, then I think it is an overpay. But if he gets back to where his career averages is, um, you know, with his recent uptick in defensive play this season as well, then that's a much more palatable deal. Yeah. I, I think that, Sure. If you if you just assume that this is actually his three point shooting, it would certainly ding his value considerably. Um, even then, like I, I have to just say it to keep my bingo card going that you know the cap is going up and the deal isn't quite as bad as people think it is, generally speaking. But uh, you, you talk, you've talked about it before on, on Twitter and on here, I think at one point too. Like they've also just handled this as badly as they could have. Like if they were going to trade John Collins, they should have traded him a long time ago. Uh, his value was higher even over the summer. Like the deal that. You know, you mentioned the Western Conference deal. I don't have it nailed down, so I won't like. I don't have to kind of mention it before. Uh, I I think I know what, what deal that was, and that is a return that they that I think would have been better than what they're going to get this this time around if they trade him. Like his value has gone down in the market because, in part, because they have just dangled him out there forever. Now you have this front office change, etc. And again, this is where I don't I don't know the tendencies of Landry and company just yet. So maybe they're going to hold back. And even the mixed reporting in the last couple of days, like my guy Tony Jones from the Athletic, who covers the Jazz, 
reported today that they've been talking to the Hawks about Collins, but there's been nothing substantial and that the Hawks are looking for uh, a player that, that, that I'm, I'm going to quote Tony here, a player they think puts them in another tier in the East, end quote, if they're going to trade Collins. Like that, that's not going to happen. I mean, maybe it will, but uh, I think that's that goes in the bucket of like a big deal that I don't see coming. That's more of a package thing because they're not going to trade Collins. I think even you agree with this as someone who's not as high on him as I am. They're not going to upgrade at the position player for player this year by trading John Collins. It's just not, there's no, that deal's not really in existence. Like even if you're the biggest Jay Crowder guy in the world, okay, Jay Crowder hasn't played in six months and isn't better than John Collins. Like, the, the appeal of trading John, if you want to see it that way, would be to break up your books, like you said before, to clean up your books long term and maybe get a pick out of it or maybe just kind of retool on the fly. It's not to make you better now. So it's it's just one of those weird things where I wish I knew the direction. I wish I knew the asking price because it's been kind of reported all over the place, like what the Hawks are asking for. The Ainge thing is very funny. It's very Danny Ainge. But the only thing that I'm pretty confident about is that the Hawks are not going to pay to get off of John Collins. I can see right. them doing That's a deal. That's the worst thing. Yeah, that's the that. worst thing they could do. Yeah, yeah, and they're not going to do that. I mean, if they do, then I will, I will fillet them for it. Um, there are deals where I won't love it, but like, here's the example for Utah that I, we talked about before a couple times. But like, the Malik Beasley, Jared Vanderbilt package has been floating out there quite a bit for multiple players, not, not not just for Collins. Like, Utah's offering that package to a lot of teams. Vanderbilt, I think, has a uh, has a fake injury tonight. He's missing the game as we're speaking on Monday. Um, that's been out there. Like, look, I don't love that package for John Collins. But at least understand it on some level. Malik Beasley from here, potent shooter. Jared Vanderbilt, pretty good player. And it also makes you cheaper. You save money. The Hawks want to save money. I don't love it, but I, I at least get it. Um, there are deals like that that are out there. Like if they just want to give off Collins and just get it over with once and for all, go ahead and do that. But that, that makes them worse. It just does. <laughs> it also seems like with some of the reporting that we've seen recently, like what you referenced from Tony, that they're trying to basically regain some leverage. Like we've seen the Amrick report that they've considerably backed down their price on Collins, yep. and you don't like to see that get out in the public. So it could be that they're trying to, you know, regain we'll a little bit up. of leverage by <laughs> leaking. Yeah. By leaking that they're not, you know, in a rush to move them, which makes sense. I mean, you can, with the way the starting lineup has played, you could conceivably just kick the can to the offseason. There'll be more teams then that, you know, have a better idea of their cap situation and can be interested in Collins. He might have, you know, a 20, you know, get hot from three of the last 20 games or something like that, and that could help his value. Right now, it's just, it's very challenging unless you get it back a certain type of player. Um, if you get somebody that is a considerably better shooter at the four, you know, that doesn't need designated touches, you know, they can kind of get theirs just on the perimeter, like a, you know, a, a floor spacer type who is also at least an average defender. That's the type of move where I think, you know, you could see how that can make sense, especially in crunch time, but it, it's hard to find that type of player. I mean, it really is just Crowder. You know, if you get Crowder, yeah. like the version that he was last year, which is a huge well, wild card because he's what, like 32, then. 33 and hasn't played in almost a year. So you, you don't know what you're going to get from that, but that's really about the only player they could conceivably get where they might not get worse in my opinion. If you get the, if you get that version of him. Yeah, and even then, like even if you're super high on Crowder, he's he's 32, he's an expiring contract who wants a new deal, um, and then you're also having to take back to make the money work some bad money, whether it's Dario Saric or Landry Shamit, or as the two options, like without going all the way down that rabbit hole, those are negative value contracts on multiple year deals. So like, yeah, I, I, I think I Saric might too. be expiring. Saric might. Be oh yeah, expiring. no, I think he actually is. He was. Uh, I was doing the math on that wrong, but uh, I think you might have to do both. I'm looking at it now. Um, but no matter what, like I think you. 
Yeah, I think actually that's that's what it is. You have to do both. I don't I don't, I don't think that Crowder and Sarge is enough, or maybe it isn't. If it's close, maybe it's a like Crowder Sarge or something else small. No matter what, you gotta take some bad money back. And um, yeah, you know, it, it's not the worst thing in the world. Yeah, Sarge is expiring. Oh, his campaign is the guy who's not expiring in addition to Landry Shaman. And that just highlights how it's harder to find a deal. You know, with a twenty-five million dollar guy in the middle of the season, like there's not a lot of teams that you know most teams aren't trying to give up like three rotation players at this point of the season to take him on or something. You know, you, you get more options in the off season. It, it's especially to bring it all full circle. Like they, I think they need to be willing. If they are not willing to do this, then this, then mistakes have been made. Even if they kind of have decided long-term they kind of want to move John, uh, it would be better in my mind for them to wait until the offseason. That opens up so many more teams. It opens up more offers, flexibility. You have more information on guys on your roster. You have another another third of a season on Bogey, for instance. Um, and health-wise, we'll come, we'll come back to him in a second as well. You got more information on Jalen Johnson for your future, uh, on Hunter, et cetera. And like, I think that's part of this too, is that uh, there's been a movement of Hawks fans that are like ready for Jalen to be the guy at, at the four. That's a little bit premature. I, I like Jalen a lot, but like you don't know yet that he is going to be your power forward of the future. With Griffin, you, you have, I think you have more confidence that he's going to be a guy for you as a starting wing long term. I'm not quite there on Jalen, although he might be. He might be that. No, no question about that. But like even more information on those guys would be part of the calculus too. In addition to just like building John's market back up, and uh, once you get to the once you get to the summer, there's just more flexibility for everybody, both uh, internally and externally. Because like the one thing I will say as we kind of look a little bit long-term is <laughs> the Hawks are already being at the luxury tax line for next year. It's just a reality check that like, I think somebody in the top eight or nine guys is going to get moved between now and like the middle of July. That's not really a sexy take, but like whether it is one of the centers or whether it's Collins or whether it's Bogdanovich, I cannot see them. I shouldn't say cannot. I, 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 don't, I don't think that they're going to go into next season with the same top nine that they had this year that's like my only take and that's not it's not a very strong take but like just because this same top nine plus a first round pick and whatever else is a tax team and like they're not they're not going to do that i don't think at least for the same team unless they make a conference finals or something like that if they were if they go crazy again and make the conference finals maybe they do it and just pay the tax and and pay, pay the piper but that kind of is part of this too is like they either have to do it now they have to do it later with some with someone like collins or bogey but like you and i talked about this before offline and online you know the center choice is not going to go away either. Probably not now in the next four days, three days, but like, are they really going to go into the, into a fourth season with Capella and Congo on the team? Maybe they will. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. I, I'm with you on that. And it's at least worth pointing out too, that with a Congo's recent play, um, it is like a, a more imaginable now that you might find a deal for Capella in the off season. If you get like a decent offer with the way he's been playing lately, whereas, you know, a couple months ago and I thought, well, I think you're setting up for another year of that, but yeah, it, it's, it's hard to imagine that they bring back all, you know, four of, or all three rather of uh, Capella and Collins and Bogdanovich. Like there's, they're just not going to do that. And also you just have to look at just the allocation, what they're spending there. You know, are they getting a good ROI? For that much, you know, with Bogdanovich at his level right now, you have to really wonder. I mean, we've seen him come back from the dead before. Like this time last last offseason, I thought, man, he's he's had the knee surgery. He's not going to play any better. And then uh, after the All-Star break over the last, you know, 20 or so games of the season, he was an important part of their, you know, improvement over that period. So it's hard to completely write him off. Um, but it, it, it's also hard to see him as a, a guy that's going to be on the roster as like a long-term piece as well. But it's, it's interesting. It is for sure. And 
to kind of talk through Bogey as the last like, prominent guy because again, we there's no real point in talking about other guys. Like I think there are the borderline untouchables when it comes to Trey uh, Dejounte, and I think you throw AJ Griffin in there now as a guy the Hawks are not going to try to move in the near future. Uh, DeAndre Hunter is a difficult to trade guy. Also, they like him. At least Travis did. I, don't, I think the front still likes him, and he's on he's on the poison pill, so you can move him, but it's not likely, and it's very difficult to do. Um, and then you get into Clint and uh, the Kongwu, and uh, it's just not really worth talking about those guys right now. But Bogey is so it's 18 million this year. 18 million dollar player option next year. I'm not sure if he's going to opt in or out. To be honest, like if he's if he's healthy at the end of the season, I can see him opting out. That's at least possible. But also, he's not been fantastic this year. He's limited physically, etc. Um, defensively, it's worse than it's ever been for Bogey because of his leg, basically. And then you throw in the emergence of Griffin, and that I think long term is going to matter to Bogey. Um, on the other hand. We saw what it looked like with the Hawks in the first half of the season when, when he wasn't playing that the shooting just was not enough. They just, they just don't have enough guys. Even with Griffin's emergence, they don't have enough shooting on the roster without Bogey. So it's kind of a weird situation. And I think he does have some value. I think if they wanted to trade Bogey for at least neutral value, they could do it. Um, I don't know if they want to, but uh, I'm not sure if you've been wrecking your brain on Bogey destinations, but I think contenders in particular would probably like to get Bogey. Whereas yeah. Collins, Collins is, is more of like a maybe future-facing thing, like an Indiana or something like that, like a sleeper-ish team for the future. With Bogey, it's like which playoff team wants him is the question. Because I, I can't imagine a non-playoff team trading for him like actively. I think it's also something where if you're not watching him like every night, he might be higher just because of his reputation around the league. And if you oh, yeah, caught him definitely. on the nights where he's super hot, like I, I think contenders tend to like bogey. And that's also why I think there is a risk that he'll, well, not necessarily a risk, but he could opt out at the end of the season just because a good team yep. might be willing to give up, you know, a multi-year deal for him that would take him through his thirties. So I think that's in play. Um, but the defense is just tough. And for me, when people talk about the deadline, if they're going to be buyers, uh, the thing that really jumps out to me is just that their fourth quarter units need some overhauling. If you look at how they played this year, they've given up more double digit leads than all but a few teams. I think the only teams that have, you know, more have been, you know, like teams like the Rockets and teams like that. Uh, and then they have really poor fourth quarter stats. And some of that, I just think that they have trouble putting together a good clutch lineup, like with the erosion of Collins's shot it makes it harder to use him offensively in the last three minutes of a game just because teams don't have to close out as hard on him. And when you have the kind of fourth quarter offense they have, you know, trying to go uh, isolation a lot, like that's just how they're going to play <laughs> under McMillan for better or worse. Like I don't, I don't see that changing. So the best thing you can do if you're committed to that is to try to create as much spacing as possible. And Collins is just sort of a drag on that um, just because he, he doesn't have the confidence with the shot anymore. I mean, well, he's, he still gets them up all right, but it's just it's tough at the late at the late stages of the game. And so your other option for Collins is Bogdanovich, but if you swap them out, then you're taking a huge defensive downgrade. And Collins still has a lot of value there. So you just you don't really have a guy that's you know not taking something off the table on one end of the floor. So if there's a guy that they can get at the deadline, I'd be interested in someone that they could use as a potential closing unit guy, like somebody that's okay defensively, or at least better than Bogdanovich, and at least a better shooter than Collins. It's not easy to find, you know, a guy that's you know average at both of those, but when you look at you know how poor Bogey's been on D and how poor Collins has been as a shooter, I, I think it's not you know unattainable to find a player like that. I mean, I think Crowder is definitely the guy that you know light bulbs go off as like the most likely guy that could fit that sort of role. But somebody that could have utility in a closing lineup is who I'd really be looking for at the deadline if they think they want to be buyers. Yeah, if they want to do that, I, I would generally agree with that. Um, you know, and the one thing about Bogey that that's a great point. I'm glad you said it was because. 
you know, he has a reputation and I think an earned reputation as, as like a gamer, like bogey plays hard. He's physical. And yes, we've seen him play every minute of the season. And like, you can tell his defense has definitely slipped. His knee is not probably the best, but he has been playing now without an incident for, you know, knock on wood a few months and his offense, like everyone trusts. I know that Hawks fans have would like to see more of AJ over him. Most nights I get a lot of those tweets during the, during the season, but like, Bogey's still a guy that is valuable around the league. He gets guarded like a, like a great shooter because he is one. And even in kind of a down season, he's shooting 37% from three on real volume. And like, if you put him in a situation where he's not, where he's, where he's the only guy on the, on the floor, that's a bad defender. Like it's a lot easier to work around that. The Hawks can't really do that because they have Trey and, you know, DeJounte has his pluses and minuses, uh, you know, playing with Griffin or whatever. But um, I think Bogey would have value if they wanted to move him. And I, I, I can't get a read on that even more than Collins, I think, at this point, because like I've heard so much about Collins the last couple of years. But with Bogey, there's always a little bit of a background like, OK, Bogey's available for the right price, but I, I don't know what they'd even be looking for. I think what you said makes sense. And like. There are guys you could get for bogey, you know, going back to the Malik Beasley thing before about from Collins, like what you don't want to do is replace bogey with a guy who's just like bogey. <laughs> I don't think like a, a, a sharpshooter who's a bad defender like that. You kind of already know what that looks like. Just hang on to bogey at that point. But, um, you know, the knee is questionable. They know more about it than everybody else does. And uh, yeah, the defense, I think they're probably hoping it comes back a little bit. But even when he was even pre knee stuff, He's always been better as a physical player defensively than a quickness guy, and that's only gotten more magnified. So uh, I certainly think his reputation is such where it wouldn't be the worst idea to go ahead and trade him right now. But only, like, you, but you also don't want to just give him away. Like you want you want to get some real value because Bogey. I know there's some frustration again from Hawks fans, but Bogey's still a very valuable player. Like he has a lot of a lot of positive appeal despite uh, his shortcomings. Right. For me, I think that if you do trade him, some sort of deal with Phoenix where you get Crowder back would basically be what I'd be looking for. Um, Phoenix, I, I kind of like, like that too, really... I, I'm not the biggest Crowder guy, like, I, and I, I will say that. Like, but if, if you're doing it without trading Collins, I, I like that a lot more. Like, if you if you could turn Bogey Bogey into Crowder and whatever else, whether it be Saric or or Shamit, um, that that actually is interesting to me. And now you made this point earlier about somebody else, but I would be worried about. Crowder's next deal <laughs> if I was the Hawks uh but as a rental or maybe just because they're worried about Boogie's player option I would not hate that idea yeah to get back a better defender and someone that you could use in your closing lineups I think could have a lot of value they're still taking a, a step back with the shooting there which concerns me a little bit but, but I do think shoot. if you're getting Crowder will yeah, shoot though he's a volume shooter uh he can play the three and the four like there's he's a veteran I, I think that getting like a some of his personality could have value as some of the you know recurrent locker room issues they have he could he could be useful there um that's somebody that I would be looking at and for Phoenix they could really use another creator somebody that's not dependent on just creation from Booker and Paul would would really help them um, if he could get physically right, he'd see someone that could help them in a playoff run. So Crowder for Phoenix is a type of deal I'd be interested in for for Bogey. I mean, you mentioned Malik Beasley. I mean, he's he's not a good defender, but I just think he's more phys- physically reliable than, than Bogey is. I, he's younger. Yeah. I would have some interest in him. I mean, he's an excellent movement shooter, uh, a volume guy, can score at the rim as well. Like, I'd, I'd be kind of interested in him at the right price. But it's, it's I, I don't I, I, know I, I that... I would be too, by the way. Like, I'm not, I'm not that I'm crossing him off. It's just the fact that, like, if you're Utah it doesn't do them any good to trade for bogey. Like I think that they only do a Beasley trade if it's for Colin, if it's for Collins and they're looking more long. Yeah. 
And I that's how I, I think as well. Or you're getting yeah. something else on top of him, maybe. I mean, you just don't know. I mean, you don't know though. I mean, maybe they just decide they're not as in on him, and they, they don't mind having Bogey or perhaps for one year like that. That might appeal to them if he were to opt out. Um, so you know, they like those types of players in Utah. <laughs> like it would it wouldn't surprise me if, if they were <laughs> if they ended up on him. <laughs> but that's a very uh, funny reference. I love that. Uh, we'll just move right but, along from that reference. But yes, uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I think that Crowder is, is definitely the guy that, that, that makes the most sense. Another thing that you could look at is maybe there's some sort of uh, outlines for a deal with with Brooklyn. Maybe they could get back a Royce O'Neal. That's another guy that I'd be interested in at the right price. Uh, a yeah, that, that was defender. my last thing I was going to ask you was about the Nets because the Nets are like seemingly still in – I'm not sure they're buying or selling. They're just seemingly still in activity mode post-Kyrie trade. And, uh, you know, the Hawks – they've had interest in Collins in the past. I'm not sure if they're going to still have interest in Collins. Um, one thing I will say, though, is that uh, all the Collins for Ben Simmons fake trades. Um, that's over. No, thank you. No, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> ben, yeah, that's ben two Simmons years no ago. Longer, that's uh, not happening yeah, now. <laughs> no longer a thing. So, uh, yeah, if you, if you were to do a uh, do a Collins fake trade to to Brooklyn, it gets a little bit challenging just because they're going to still have Ben Simmons on their team. So they're going to have Ben Simmons and Nick Claxton, and then they're going to trade for John Collins. It's an interesting decision. Uh, maybe they would just do it anyway. But uh, that's why I haven't like floated too much of those. In, in recent days, but yeah, I, I, Royce O'Neal, if he's available now that they have DFS, would be very interesting because Royce O'Neal, while well, he's not a great defender, is like a perfectly fine defender, and he'll shoot it, and he's fine. He can defend um, a lot of positions. That's that's yeah. one of the things with him. Like he's not necessarily great at any defensive role, but he is very versatile, and he's also having a career shooting year. I think he's shooting like forty percent from three. So that's a situation where you're not losing a ton of shooting if you were to send out, you know, Bogdanovich and that that sort of deal. So Crowder and O'Neal are natural guys that I would kind of look for um, if, if you did that kind of trade. Otherwise it's hard to find something that, that really makes sense. You know, you're not taking a huge step back in shooting or a team that has an incentive to trade for a ball gone. Like it, it's harder to find that. It'd be more likely if they were to be just a pure seller, you know, and dump him on a contender for yeah. like some light assets. Like that's really it though. You know? Yeah. I almost uh, spent the 10 minutes with you on this show about like the hypothetical where the Hawks sell and decide to like retool on the fly. And I think it's just not likely at all. So it's not even worth talking about. Like there is not I can make an argument for you. Play, right. Yeah. I can make an argument for you. Like if, if the Hawks had uh, continued their swoon and maybe lost all five on this road trip or something like that, maybe it could have uh, been more practical, but I don't see it. I don't see that happening. So, and also I, I will say this, knowing what I know about Trey, um, I don't think that Trey and DeJounte would really appreciate a, uh, a retooling or selling in the middle of the season. They wouldn't like that very much. I don't think. Either yeah, it doesn't seem likely, but I mean, that's no. really the other scenario where you could look at for bogey, you know, let's trade him for the number 27 pick in the draft and, you know, think about next year. Yeah, Otherwise, honestly, I, it's hard to find I wouldn't something. mind that. I wouldn't mind that at all, to be honest. Now, no, I, I mean, it's fine. In the Hawks office, but I, I, I think practically, just to put a bow on this whole conversation, we agree the Hawks are still capable of winning a playoff series this year. I think that's that's still on the table. Um, are they capable of making the finals? I kind of don't think so. So it, it kind of depends on what, like, what's your appetite? What do you value? Like, how much value do you put on a potential to win a first-round series um, versus whatever else? And, like, how much value is an extra first-round pick going to be worth to you? The Hawks have their own pick this year. Um, so they have another influx of talent coming, hopefully, and all that stuff. So uh, back and forth, back and forth. But I think – you know, we're on the same page here. I don't think the Hawks are likely mm -hmm. to do that. Um, it's more like a hold steady or a small buy with a Justin Holiday contract slash trade, or maybe a bigger move with John or Bogey. But uh, I'm not, in the, I'm not in the prediction place yet. I think it's going to be one of those three things, but I, I have no idea which one to be honest with you, Andrew. Right. Yeah. Selling Bogey for a first round pick, like a real first round pick makes a lot of sense it, it, for a big picture standpoint. I just don't yeah. think they're going to do that. 
I agree wholeheartedly. Uh, anything else you wanted to get off your chest before we get out of here? It's been, it's gonna be very busy. And as soon as we're done recording, I have to post this podcast as fast as possible because it's uh, stuff's happening in the league right now. Obviously the Kyrie domino fell. So uh, if you're listening to this podcast, just know that we recorded it uh, between eight and 9 PM Eastern time on Monday, but Andrew, anything else you want to share? Well, you know, I've been looking at like specific like Collins deals and it, it really is kind of like a challenge to find anything. Like if you could get, a Joe Harris, Royce O'Neal type package for Collins that can maybe be interesting. Or, you know, we talked about Eric Gordon offline. Um, mm. If you could get like an Eric Gordon who has, he's guaranteed for $0 in the off season. Yeah. So when you're a team that's up against the luxury like that, you could have interest if you, if you didn't like what you saw from him or you wanted to make the team cheaper, that could have value and you get back maybe like a first round pick or a KJ Martin or someone like that, the deal, maybe that's an option for Collins, but you know, I tried to look at like specific trade packages and it, it, you really can't find too many that make you, I don't think you can really find any at all. Honestly, unless you're getting like two quality rotation players, like you, maybe you're not, you know, you're not getting worse in that sort of deal, but it, it really is hard to find something at the deadline, which just further and further like lends itself to them just, you know, waiting to the off season. And I think that's what's going to end up transpiring. Yeah, I'm, I'm the same way. Uh, we've been talking a lot offline uh, in, amongst our, our Peace Tree Hoops crew and Hawks people around. You know, it's like if I, if there was a deal that I liked, I would I would talk about it. I just I, I haven't been able to find one. Look, it might exist. Maybe maybe this front office will find something that we don't see. Um, maybe they'll innovate a little bit and go a little bit big picture. I don't know what's going to happen, but um, it's worth monitoring. And I think we agree from what we said earlier. Like, I think the most likely transaction would be just turning Justin into another guy. And that's a very, it's kind of a small stakes move, either Justin Holiday in a second round pick or Justin Holiday in a first round pick or something like that for a player. Um, I would be judicious personally on first round picks, if, but, but maybe Justin two seconds, something like that for an upgrade would be useful as kind of a bridge between this year and next year to kind of make your team better now without killing your future. But um, we'll see. That's what I'll say. Uh, Andrew, thank you for joining me on the podcast today, my friend. Where can people find your stuff? I know you are uh, much less of a volume tweeter than I am, but you still are on social media and places. So where, where can they find you? Yeah, you can find me uh, A Kelly on Twitter, A N D L A N K E L L. Um, enjoy the interactions there. Uh, if you ever have a question or anything, feel free to shoot me a DM as well if you prefer to talk there. Um, yeah, I enjoy it. It's, I like uh, Hawks fans, and uh, it's been much more fun to watch the team recently. Yeah, they're playing uh, fairly well, and we'll see if they can pick up a win on Tuesday in New Orleans. Uh, thank you for doing this, Andrew. I appreciate it. Everybody should be checking out Andrew Andrew's work. He is very, very smart about all things Hawks, NBA, cap stuff, and uh, worth a follow on the Twitter machine for sure. As for everybody else, please subscribe to this podcast on your podcast platform of choice, Apple, Spotify, etc. Follow me on Twitter if you want to at BT Roland. Follow the show on Twitter at LockedOnHawks, and we'll see you all after the game on Tuesday.